I'm Jeff Smith and welcome to The Secrets of Success. Throughout my life, I've been fascinated by one single question and it's how do successful people become successful? What is it that makes that big difference in our lives? Over the last 40 years, I've interviewed rich people, famous people and many millionaires to find out their secrets to success and to share them here with you. Of course, success is not always measured in money. And in these programs, I'm looking at many different success stories from people from all walks of life. I want to find out what makes them tick, how they overcame adversity to keep on going, and I want to extract those magical nuggets of wisdom so that you too can implement the secrets of success into your own life. In this episode, I'm talking with Robert Raymond Riepel. Robert is an international best-selling author, app designer, entrepreneur, and trainer who spent the last 18 years traveling the world sharing his passion. But life has not always been easy. In his early 30s, he had a personal debt to the tune of $150,000. And he's going to share his secrets of success with you about how he got out of that debt and reached complete financial freedom in just nine months. Yep, you heard that right. This is going to be an amazing show talking about the depths of debt, overcoming adversity, and then gaining success to live a happy life fulfilled with passion and purpose. So let's bring in the great man himself to find out more. Welcome to the show, Raymond Robert Ripple. Hey, Robert, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good, Jeff, and I'm thinking to myself, who's this guy talking about? Yeah. Oh, he's talking about me. Isn't it great when you get an introduction you like that and you think, is that me? Like, wow. And I'm just, and I was getting mesmerized by your voice. I'm like, he's got that voice. Listen to him go. And I'm like, dang, I can learn a lot from him. I love this. Oh, you're a gin. Thank you so much. Well, welcome to the show. Robert, it sounds to me like you had some tough times in your life. And thankfully, you've come out of the other side. But before we get into your secrets of success, I want to take you back to childhood. So, where were you born? What was life like for you as a child? And what were your dreams and aspirations as you were growing up? <laughs> oh, wow. How much time did you say we yeah. have for this conversation? <laughs> you have about 10 <laughs> seconds for that bit. <laughs> okay. Now go on. So, well, I, know, you know, I know you're from Canada, but where in Canada are you from? Yeah, I was born in British Columbia, the province of British Columbia. And actually growing up, it's really kind of interesting how that has such a play into where I am today. Because growing up as a child, uh, my parents, I'm the youngest of four, and I was actually, when I was born, we were living in a motel room. That's where my parents were living and working out of at the time. And from the age of being born to the age of when I hit grade four, so around the age of nine or 10, we actually never lived in any one place for more than six months, seven months, eight months and constantly moving around. And so as a child, my parents were having to move us around just to keep working. 
And what they instilled in us kids is what you do, whatever it takes to support your family. So even the one point my dad was living in a panel van five days a week because where he was working was six hour drive away. So he'd drive, live there for the week, drive home on the weekends. And so the message they were saying is do what it takes to take care of your family. But then they would also, that's what they were modeling for me, Jeff. But then what they were trying to tell us kids is you can achieve anything you want. Go for your dreams. And the disconnect for me was always, okay, you're telling me that, but I'm watching you guys struggle. Yeah. I'm watching us move and move. I'm always having to make new friends because I don't know how long we're going to be anywhere. And I'm, people don't believe this sometimes about me now, but I'm a pretty naturally shy guy. And so to hide my shyness, I become very outgoing sometimes because as a kid, it's like, I didn't know how long I was going to be here and I didn't want to be lonely. So I do some crazy stuff just to find friends <laughs> <laughs> quickly. And it's really molded for who I am today because we moved around a lot. And until we moved to Alberta, that's the first time we actually settled down. And so here I am already now nine, 10 years old. And it's like, oh, this is what it's like to be in a school for more than a year. Wow. This is what it's like to actually live in a um, little community where in row houses where I had friends. And, and I knew we could actually plan stuff because we were going to still be there. And that's kind of how I started off. How did it affect your education with so much moving around? Oh, making a fool of myself. Because, again, thinking, you know, I, I, um, you come from one province to another and their school system was different. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, you came from there. We should put you back. And thank goodness I had a mom that fought for her kids. It's like, no, that doesn't work, you know, and, and I, you know, so for the education part, it was just diving as quickly as you can. And this has actually become a secret to my success is you start wherever you can. You don't sit there and say, well, I want to start way up here. I would dive in wherever I needed to do the work that needs to be done to get caught up and then advance forward. So that the education back then taught me to kind of how I do life today. Okay, so you parents were great in that. They said, hey, Robert, you can do anything you want to do and achieve anything you want to achieve in your life. So what did you want to do and what did you want to achieve at that stage in your life? <laughs> oh, my goodness. In my bedroom with my brothers one day, we were truck drivers. The next day, we were lawyers. The next day, we were astronauts and we were doctors. We didn't know. It was just everything was possible. And for us, it was, how do we just keep dreaming? How do we, what do we really want? Um, you know, that's as kids. And of course, then reality started setting in as we yep. grew up. <laughs> so what was reality like for you when you got into your 20s? It was what, I'm a newlywed. I got married at 19. And it's like, okay, how do I support my family? Uh, and I started taking on jobs that I didn't like, but they were the only jobs I could get. And also by the time I'm 21, I've laid off from the third company. I'm starting to get a bit of a complex, Jeff. I'm like, why is it all these companies I work for? Because they were all shut down. They either shut down or um, like I, I started working a car wash at 15, started managing it by 17. And all of a sudden they shut it down to make it into a mini mall. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So then I started doing fiberglass work waking up at three o'clock in the morning, itching like crazy because of fiberglass going into the pores, hated the job, but it was paying the bills. And also they shut down. And luckily I had just got a job at a factory 
two years in, I've now worked from in the factory to help and run the shipping receiving department and am inside sales. I'm 21. I'm part of lower management. And all of a sudden I get the news that, oh, we're shutting the factory down. Talk about hit to the ego. I'm like, is it me? Is it me? <laughs> Avoid this guy. All cost time. <laughs> right? And, but it, it actually taught me one of the greatest lessons at that time because by this point, my belief had been, sure, I could dream. But look, this is all you're going to do. I'd watched my two older brothers um, both go in the armed forces at 17 and 18 because they were young and had, you know, children on the way and that was how they were going to support. So I resigned myself that this is the way life goes is you just, you settle down and you just do with what you were dealt with. Um, That third company laying me off though was a great reality check because they were a big corporation. And I thought I was going to be a general manager of my own factory. I thought I'd work for them for 40 plus years. I had it all mapped out in my head. So when I got laid off, I was like, wow, no matter how big the company, I'm just another number. If I want success, I better start taking control of that success. And, you know, that's kind of what started the change in my direction for me. And in that mix with, you know, back then we were in an oil bust here in Alberta. We have a lot of oil. And if oil prices are down, you can't find that real job. And I looked for that real job and there was none out there at the time. I started delivering pizzas for Domino's Pizza, Mm -hmm. thinking I'll do this until I find a real job. Not realizing I started having more fun and making more money getting to interact with people and deliver pizzas than I'd made in my real job. And that put me on the trajectory of where I became a manager. Then my wife and I became franchisees and, you know, it it changed our lives. All right. I want to move you forward now to your thirties. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So you went from, as I said, in the introduction, $150,000 of personal debt to financial freedom in just nine months. That Mm -hmm. is amazing. Congratulations. I want to know how you did it. But first of all, I have to ask you, how on earth did you rack up a debt of $150,000? What were you doing? (laughs) You're going to be with that pain all over again, Jeff. Um, Well, look, 23 years of age, we become franchisees. And although we were qualified to be franchisees and knew how to run a Domino's pizza, we didn't know how to run a business. And you being the KPI guy, you know, there's a world of difference between the two of those. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, and for the first two years, our whole motto was if there's money in the bank, we must be doing okay. <laughs> and, and it's like, <laughs> it was yeah. not the way to run a business. Yeah. And, and so when we were forced to get an accountant, because all of a sudden two years, the government's now knocking on the door going, hello, you run this thing called a business. There's things called financials that you need to be doing. Hello. Um, We didn't think we could afford an accountant at that time. So we were trying to do it on our own, even though we were already working 80 plus hours a week in the store each. You know, this was the mentality we were in. And and I'm sharing this with your audience because I don't want them to ever think that I'm brilliant uh, or better than anybody else. I've just gone through a lot of crap and luckily I've learned from it. That's a big secret to my success is I'm, you don't have to, in Canada, we say it only takes a few kicks to the head with a frozen muckaluck before we get it. <laughs> yeah. So, and so at the two-year mark, we started knowing the numbers. We started being able to keep score. So we started doing better. But both my wife and I coming from poor families, our minds went, we got to keep up with the Joneses. We're starting to make money. 
we're business owners, we're successful. <laughs> so we started buying stuff that we really couldn't afford to buy. Uh, one of our stores was at, in a lake community and we lived on the lake. Now, what people didn't realize, except for that they really knew us is, when I say we lived on the lake, we had an, a mobile home in a mobile home park on the, that was up against the lake. So, you know, it wasn't like we had a nice house or anything. And so, oh, we live at the lake, we should buy a boat. And so we bought a boat. Now, the stupid thing about that, Jeff, is our boat stay, stayed parked in the driveway because our busy season for that store was boating season. So it sat there looking nice, never getting used, all the expenses, but hey, we had a boat. Yeah. Uh, don't successful people have at least two cars? So we made sure we had two vehicles, even though we were only using one. So we started trying to keep up with the Joneses and our personal debt just started racking up because we were way outspending what we were earning. Okay. So then comes a point where you think, hang on, we can't continue to keep up with the Joneses. You're probably just learning about this thing called delayed gratification. Yeah, so yeah. how were you feeling at your lowest point? And mm -hmm. what was the catalyst for your action in your life that made you want to change and get out of debt? Yeah, well, looking back in hindsight being 2020, probably the, um, one of the trigger points was when my solution to helping us get out of debt, because we weren't enjoying Domino's Pizza anymore, and my solution was I'd make more money going getting a job. And so I started putting out resumes and I got frustrated when people would put me in an interview and they go, yeah, you've got great credentials, but I'm not going to hire you. And I go, why? Because you own a business and that's going to take priority over you working here. So I can't count on you. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge hit to the ego. And I was like, but you don't understand, but you know, and all this. And so, um, I, that was a huge hit to the ego on that. And that was a low point. And that's when my wife and I started going, there's got to be a change. And all of a sudden we had, one of our other thoughts was, well, what are we going to do if we're not in doing Domino's? And our minds went to, oh, well, what do we know? We know franchises. Let's get into another franchise. A stupid thing was we wouldn't have had the money to get another franchise, but we went to a franchise expo and we looked at all the booths. Nothing really resonated with us. But two weeks later, and I'm going to age myself, and some of your listeners may not remember this, but you remember when you used to actually get mail in the mailbox? <laughs> two weeks after this event, we got a letter from one of the vendor booths saying, here's two tickets. Thank you for looking at our booth. Here's two tickets to an amazing evening. Their tickets are worth $39 each. Please go as our, as our gift. And that evening, the only reason my wife and I showed up was because, thank goodness, we couldn't waste $39 tickets. And that was our first introduction to personal development. Now, people had tried to introduce us before, but I didn't need that stuff, Jeff. Come on, I don't need, I'm good. And, but now that we were stressed out beyond belief, it was like, if this is gonna help, fine, we'll go. That so, three hours so changed your life. Let me just hold you there. What does stressed out beyond belief mean? Oh. What was your life like at that time? The chronic tiredness, afraid to answer the phone because I knew it was another person needing a payment. The looking at the books and saying our sales aren't where they need to be. Um, we were going through, we, out of necessity, 
We had to, and, and I want your audience to listen to my words. We felt we had to sell one of our stores just to try to gain some traction. And because we were in that uh, mode of desperation, the person that eventually bought the one store um, at the time, we felt he had taken advantage of us, priced um, delay or um, reductions in the cost, uh, time delays in the possession. We ended up financing the whole store. So instead of getting a lump sum payout, we got monthly payouts. And, and I say that we felt we were taken advantage of with what I know today. I know we taught him it was okay to treat us that way. So I now take full ownership um, of the situation. That's the difference today. So that was the stress out beyond belief because every day it was like, what are we doing this for? There's no light at the end of the tunnel. You know, we're, we're not even making a dent. When we did finally sell the store, it's like, what's this monthly payment going to do? It's not going to help us. It, we still owe more than that monthly. And so that was kind of the, uh, my wife and I, even though we've always had a strong marriage, we were at each other like crazy. At that, by that point, we were now married um, coming on 10, 11 years. And, you know, we'd watched all of our, um, my siblings go through multiple divorces. That was kind of, is that where we're headed? And it just, yeah, it was, it was not good. Yeah, you can't be rational when your mind is like that, can you? No. So why do you think people get so overwhelmed with, let me call it stuff, because it could be anything, right? I mean, for you, it's your business, or call it stuff. So why do you think people get overwhelmed with stuff? And more importantly, Robert, if someone listening right now is feeling overwhelmed, what advice can you give them? to begin the process of getting through it. Yeah, you know, and it comes back to even as a child, those big dreams you're talking about. Yeah. One of the reasons that people get overwhelmed is they set a dream, they set an intention, they set a goal. And maybe the goal might be something that's going to take them three or four years, or maybe it's a goal that takes them 30 days. But the moment they set that, they all of a sudden go into overwhelm because they start going with coming up with all the what if scenarios. Well, what if this doesn't work? What if they say no? What if I don't do it in the time? And all of a sudden, they go a thousand steps ahead of themselves. And they get that overwhelmed because they're now trying to figure it all out. That creates, or the, the second worst thing is they go into the past and they start pulling on the pains of, oh, well, last time I did that, it didn't work because of this. Do I really want to try that again? And the overwhelm will set in because they've now brought all those feelings back forward from, you know, that they went through at that time. And so my biggest suggestion for people is the moment you feel any form of overwhelm at all, just take a nice deep breath in, center yourself, and ask yourself a question from the present moment. What's one step? And I'm going to tell your audience, the simpler, the better. Like if you, Let's get into how to mess with the mind, because I know how the mind works. I know how people take themselves out and how they move themselves forward. Is set a simple step. What's one step I can take right now, right here, to move in the direction I want to go in? And then you take that step. And when you do, you celebrate it. Absolutely, and the reason I say make yeah. it as small as possible is our mind will sit there and say, well, this is a big step. That's a medium one. That's a, a small one. It's only the big ones that are worthwhile. This is the kind of things your mind will try and tell you to take you out. So to mess with your mind, because a success is a success. is a success. There's no size to it. It's only yep. your mind making that up. So you set it really small in the beginning. I'm watching for my mind. When I'm struggling, Jeff, I'm watching for my mind to go kick in and say to me, 
oh, that's stupid. That won't make a difference. Because the moment it goes there, I go, aha, got you, got you. That's exact. And I'll make it even simpler at that point. And then when I celebrate it, it could be like a pat on the back or a fist bump, like, yes, to anchor it in. But if I know that I'm in a stressed out position, I'll actually dance. I'll actually go, got it. I did it. Because I want my mind to go, oh, I guess I can't mess with him. Because I've trained my mind that I, when I notice it trying to stop me, I'm going to go even more tenacious forward. So one simple, simple, simple step can make all the difference in the world. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. I'll say this to finish that up, Jeff. People in their mind, they'll go, but this, it can't be that simple. And I'm going to say this. Don't let the simplicity fool you. Do it and watch the results. Yeah. What I like about what you just said, Robert, is to detach from where you are and observe what's yes. happening. And I think yes. when you observe that and you, and, and you, from the outside looking in, you see yourself and you also see in here fear or this overwhelming feelings that you're getting, you, you can make a separate judgment because that's what our brain does. It's, it's the fight or flight mechanism that's there that's to right. protect us, isn't it? So, it is. So detaching and observing and understanding what's happening, you can then do that cheer and say, aha, I got you. <laughs> so I really love that. that that's great. You cleared your debts. You reached financial freedom. Now, here's a great one. How much is enough? What is financial freedom? <laughs> but, and I'm glad you asked that question because here's what I want people to understand is, and, 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 and the way you're wording it, it almost sounds like you went to the same spot in your mind. When I went from over $150,000 in debt to financially free, completely financially free, nine months later, and I was 32 at the time, my wife and I, people go, oh my goodness, how did you clear that debt and create wealth? And I didn't say we cleared the debt and created wealth, cleared the debt or created wealth. It, it was neither of those. I said we were financially free. And so it, for, to understand that, I want people to understand what the financial freedom formula is. How do you know if you're financially free? And it simply is determined that you take your expenses, whatever they are, your monthly expenses. And if you have enough passive income, money working instead of you, either investments or businesses that work instead of you, like as an example, my wife and I, when we learned all this stuff, one of the first things we did is we took our final Domino's pizza store that no one wanted to buy because of where it was located and we systemized it. So it actually started working without us, started giving us an income without us actually having to go in and run the store. So it became passive on our part. And so we never knew what passive income was. So we had none. And boy, did we have a lot of expenses. So there was no way we were going to have any kind of financial freedom. But in that nine months, what um, the financial freedom says is when your passive income is greater than your expenses, you're financially free. So in the nine months, we took a hard look at our expenses and we asked ourselves, what don't we need right now? Sure, it'd be nice to have it. It'd be great, that instant gratification. But what don't we need? So we sold the boat. We sold one of the cars. We reduced our expenses. And because we now learned about what passive income was, we started looking at what could we have working for us and in nine months, we found two passive incomes that within nine months, also because we dramatically reduced our expenses, 
Nine months later, those two passive incomes had just enough monthly income coming in to pay for our bills, including the debt we still had, because we still had debt. Now, were we wealthy? Not by any means. Were we financially free? Yes. And what we didn't realize, it gave us some, uh, a gift that I want everybody to experience in their life. See, we went from working 80 plus hours a week earning a living to now not having to work at all. And imagine, Jeff, if I said, you know, since I'm aerodynamic, I know your audience listening can't see that, but because I'm aerodynamic, picture me as your genie right now. And I say, Jeff, I'm going to give you 40 hours a week extra to do with whatever you please. Could you think of some stuff to do at that time, Jeff? Go out in a boat in a new car. <laughs> right? <laughs> the, one you just, the ones you just sold. <clears throat> yeah. You know, right? You, you, you know, for me, Robert, you made some massive, massive statements there that I want to revisit because mm -hmm. my family background was quite similar to your own and no passive income. They exchanged time for money. They would earn $10 and spend 12 You know, that, that's the right. mindset to which I was brought up. So if they then enhance their life and earn then $15, they'd spend $17. And that was just the way they lived. And yeah. it, it wasn't until I was later in life then I think, okay, you have to live within your means, but what does that mean? And you've just given a superb absolutely superb example of that and that is to consider your expenses and reduce your expenses where you can without going crazy but you really don't need the, the boat and the new car all the time and things like that so it's to look at your expenses in addition to that which most people do not get is passive income Right. and that formula I love if you can get your passive income that means this is money coming in that you're no longer having to exchange your time for. So it happens whether you're there or not. And if that That's passive right. income covers your expenses, then this is the statement I use myself. When people say, how much is enough? I say, you have enough money so that you don't have to worry about money. And if, right. if your passive income or when your passive income covers your expenses you no longer have to worry about money and then all the crazy decisions like you selling your store and financing it and making decisions that perhaps you shouldn't have done but you did because you're under the threat of debt and money and all this stuff we don't make the right decisions so when we have enough <laughs> money so yeah when we have enough money that we don't have to work for money or worry about money i should say that's great but you did a better version. So when your <laughs> passive income covers your expenses, you're free. You're free to do yeah. what you love to do. So let's get back onto the story then. Yeah. You're, you're now, you've now reached financial freedom. Your passive income covers your life's expenditure as it is. Now what? Well, so that magic that came in, when I ended up with 80 plus hours more a week, because we weren't having to work for a living anymore. And having that time freedom just blew us away. 
Because here's what happens for most people, and this is what stalls them, this is what gets them into overwhelm, is they go, okay, I just heard this guy talking about creating wealth, so I'm going to become wealthy. And while they're trying to work a job and just afford their life or get you know through what the stress they're in, they're trying to create wealth at the same time. No wonder they get overwhelmed. And so what I tell people is don't go for wealth. Go for the financial freedom first. Now when you have the time freedom, because your money's taken care of, now creating wealth becomes so much easier. So with those extra hours my wife and I gained, we made a commitment to ourselves. We said, what if we take 10 of those hours, 10 of those hours a week, and actually focus on actually creating wealth with that time? What would that do for us? And also wealth creation came so much easier. Like it was, it blew our minds how quickly. And then the other thing we said is, well, if this little information got us that result, what would more learning do? And I was now a self-development junkie. And it was like, and I'm a big believer. Don't just learn from one person. What you do is I started learning from as many masters as I could. And my wife and I, for the next two and a half years, we actually not only went to as every seminar we could, but we volunteered at every seminar we could as well. Because I want your, um, your audience to get the magic of this. I am a world-class procrastinator. I will tell you that right away. I am a world-class procrastinator. If there's Olympics for procrastination, I'd be the gold medalist, okay? So I used to beat myself up over that. And I used to, you know, negate myself. I used to ridicule myself. But then when I realized that, you know what, it's who I am, and what I realized was, comes to that um, I, I, Robert I need to hold you your internet signal has dropped and you're breaking up oh I've got you back yeah, now. I see I've, that. I've got you back now you're down in the red I got up to world-class procrastinator I think you're back now yeah you're back yeah you, I, can you hear me yeah, I, yeah I, I can hear you back now so okay, cool go, go from I'm a world-class procrastinator and then, then I'll edit back to there Okay. So yeah, I am a world-class procrastinator. If there was a gold medal, you know, Olympics for um, procrastination, I'd be a gold medalist. And I used to fight myself over it. I used to beat myself up over that. I used to ridicule myself. I used to just shame myself because that's what people do. But when I realized it's part of who I am and I started to say, well, knowing that instead of fighting it, how do I utilize it? And so one of the things, and I'm trying to remember he did the Himalayan expedition and he, his famous saying, environment is stronger than willpower. And I knew that it was being in my environment that was allowing me to be a procrastinator. So my wife and I said, well, how do we create being in the environment of learning more in that? That's why one of the reasons we started volunteering as much as we could. And like, think about this, you know, when with your charity that you do, Jeff, one of the reasons you give back is I know because it feels great to give, it's, you know, you're help, you've gained so much in your life that you've been able to experience. Now helping others just adds to you, but it gets you into the energy of more success. Indeed. Because if you're giving more value, who do people think of when they want to do business? They go, I got to get a hold of this Jeff Smith guy because his Jeff Smith Foundation is helping people. And I love what you said before we recorded about how being a pilot, if someone sits there and they're like, you know, I, I'm experiencing this illness or whatever it is, or this 
and on my bucket list is I'd like to go for a flight and you're saying, let's go. Like, how beautiful is that? That's, those are the people I want to be associated with. Those are the people I want to do business with. And so by giving back, people go, oh, it's great that you're giving back. But my wife and I, we were very open. We said yes, but also a selfish reason is we know while we're giving back, we're in this environment which grows us. Because if we're sitting at home doing nothing because we're financially free, we're going to just have those old negative habits come back in. And, and I proved that because when I started training and, and really um, helping people around the world, I went so hard, I got burnt out. And four and a half years into being a trainer, I had to take a year off because I was burnt out. And that turned into three and a half years because I also went through two back surgeries. But the real reason it turned into three and a half years is because I was now out of the energy and the environment. And my procrastination came in like a wildfire. And all of a sudden, all the old negative non-supportive habits started coming back in. So being in that space of having time freedom is, is what is the next step. Who more can I help? Help people where you can, as you can, as you're getting through the stress. But then when you have the blessings that, you know, I, I'm blessed to have now, you're blessed to have, then really crank into now, who can we help? And my wife and I, we love animals. So we, our charities are all dog charities. We just love helping animals wherever we can. And so I, I hope that answers your question, Jeff. I kind of went long ways around, but back to it. <laughs> I, th- I think you did. I think you did. So, <laughs> so w- what's interesting about, I mean, you mentioned the Jeff Smith Foundation. Thank you for that. And I take people flying who are perhaps less fortunate than ourselves. So there are people that are suffering the effects of cancer treatment or they're terminally ill, uh, not in a position to work anymore, so their funds mm-hmm. are low. Um, and maybe they have a bucket list. Some of those people want to fly, and I'm privileged enough to take them flying. I have an aircraft. I have some other buddies who have aircraft too. So, uh, so we take them flying. The nice thing about that, Robert, is it keeps me grounded and <laughs> it, it I, the, the flight finishes. We have some photographs taken. I always get a hug. Man or woman, they always give me a hug. Yeah. We, we end up in tears and it just... It just gives me gratitude uh, uh, and thanks for blessing. I don't do it to get any business, but the point you make is that I like to mix with people who do the same thing. And not necessarily for business-wise, I just like people who do the same things. And there, there are people that come along and help with the foundation, and I link with other charities as well. And I just like people who do the same things. And uh, my wife and I are massive dog lovers too. So, uh, oh. uh, so <laughs> <laughs> you know, the more I find about people, the more I love dogs. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. My, my wife and I, we're trying to figure out what were we thinking because um, our last little guy had passed away um, two years ago. 
And, you know, we're not the type of people to just go back out and fill that space. And when it felt right, it felt right. And, and we had moved to our beautiful acreage that we're on and we'd always said, we're going to wait till we have a, a space to have a bigger dog. So we've always had small dogs. And while we were in the process of looking for a larger dog, we came across this little guy that stole our hearts. And so we ended up with two puppies and they're eight months and seven months old now. And at times it's like, what were we thinking having two puppies at the same time? But it it keeps us, you know, it keeps us alive. And, and, you know, one thing that you just touched on, because what you're talking about the charity and all that, not doing it for the money. One of the principles I live by today, and especially when I train trainers, because I've been blessed. It's one of my passions to train trainers is I tell them, if you're doing it for the money, you're doing it for the wrong reason. I don't do anything today for money. I do it because I love it. I do it because I'm helping people. But what's cool is money becomes that beautiful side effect. You know, the business, the income that comes from it, the extra connections. So because I'm doing it to be of service and how can I help others? And I'm not doing it for, oh my goodness, I need money. And, and I get, because when I was in that stressed place, it's like, I need to make money now. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And now that I'm in the stage of, because people would say, well, Robert, if you lost everything, what would you do? I'd keep doing what I'm doing. I would find ways to help people because I'm always blown away, Jeff, by the connections that come in and, and the people that go, wow, I want to do business with you or um, I need to hire you or will you show me how to be a trainer? And that, that monetary that comes in, I look back and go, how did I ever create this? And it just comes from that going forward to who can we help? what connections and what relationships can we really create? Yeah, absolutely. I could not agree more. I'm going to take you to the opposite side of this problem now. So so staying with the idea of how much is enough, I know a lot of people over the years who've achieved success. They've reached their goals and they fulfill their dreams. But here's the thing. They're still not happy. Mm-hmm. In your experience, why do you think this happens and what can we do about it? Mm. I can only come from my own experience of what I've gone through. And it's every time that I th- think I don't need to learn anything more, that I've done enough. That, and the moment I do that, all of a sudden I go into stagnation. And so this is why I will always be a learner even though I train around the world and even do now virtual, I'm doing trainings like crazy. I'm a student as much as I am a a trainer because I know I can learn from anybody and everybody. And I go in and, and, and this is kind of a key, especially when people create success. One of the things I've noticed is that they, their mindset changes to, well, if I'm going to do this, then I better get this and this and this and this out of it. And they have expectations. They have attachments. Whenever I'm going to be a student, my mindset switches to if I can bring one golden nugget out of this, no matter how bad the training might be, if I can bring one golden nugget out of it, it's all worthwhile. And because I have my mindset that way, I get more than one golden nugget. And then I have to remind myself because then my mind will go, how am I going to implement all of this? And I'm like, no, you don't have to implement all of it. If you take action on one thing, one thing, then at least you're taking action. And cause that's another thing that causes overwhelm. Someone goes, okay, uh, I'm about to go um, learn from Jeff and one of his trainings. And, oh my goodness, I've heard so many amazing things about it and I better get everything. I better use everything or else I'm a failure because people go to that all or nothing mindset. 
So as you create the wealth and as you get to that side of things, keep asking yourself back to what we said earlier, what's one small step I can do today? And when you do that, that keeps you moving forward. Because there's days, Jeff, my one small step is, today's gonna be a freedom day, I ain't doing nothing today. And I allow myself, I honor myself to be able to do that. Um, I'll actually schedule into my calendar freedom days for my wife and I. And, and when I used to travel all over the world, BC, before COVID, <laughs> you know, I would, uh, our running, good, I'm glad you got that joke. Yeah. <laughs> our, our, our running um, agreement was, if I was overseas for a couple of weeks, we knew, even though I, I was used to the flights and the jet lag didn't really hit me, but our, for my wife and I, on our calendar, we would schedule in the first day or two days is freedom days. No business. If we wanted to stay in bed and, and watch TV all day, that's what we did. Not feeling guilty about it, nothing. If we wanted to have that time to be with family, that's what we did. Because if we don't, if I don't regenerate me, I can't help other people. Absolutely, yeah. And that's a big one for successful people. They feel, and it, what ends up sabotaging their success is they get into that momentum of like, oh my goodness, I'm successful. I got to keep going. I got to help more people. I got to do more. I got to do more. I got, and they implode instead of going, you know what? It's okay to take a break. A break. It's okay to say today, uh, you know, Bruno Mars song. Today I don't feel like doing anything. <laughs> you know, it's the lazy song. Yeah, I will play that in my head because today's a lazy day. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I think the important thing with that, and you nailed it, is to give you pers- yourself permission to do that. I struggled mm. with that, Robert, for years. So, <laughs> so what, what's a good tip for doing that? Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's, I live by my calendar today, as I'm sure a lot of people do. And think of money. Wealth rule number one that they say in money is pay yourself first. Well, isn't our time one of our most precious commodities? Oh, for sure. So if that rule is true for money, then why wouldn't it be true for time? So my wife and I, the first thing when we do up our calendars, before we put anything else on that calendar, we put in our pamper pieces. Oh, time nice. for ourselves, Yeah. time for each other, time for family. Um, if, if, you know, we're one getting into, you know, better health, time for health. That goes on our calendar before anything else gets put on the calendar because now it's scheduled in because most people, they do with what they do with their money. It's whatever I have left over, then I'll use that. And they wonder why they have nothing left over, why their tank is empty. So that little switch there can change your life. That's a very good way to put it. Book your free time first. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Robert, you've written a book called... Success left a clue. So, yes, sir. why did you write it? Who is it for? <laughs> and what's it all about? <laughs> the reason I'm laughing is because the main, the first reason I wrote it is because as a student, here it is, 2002. My wife and I are newly financially free, and I'm sitting in a seminar, and the person on the stage goes, "You should write a book." And I went, "I should write a book." <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what I was going to write about. I And it took 15 years <laughs> before I actually released the book. So the, 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 this is your... Procrastinator. This, yeah, this is your gold medal in procrastination. 15 right. years in writing a book. 15 wow. years. Yeah, and, and um, one of the catalysts is, is actually... I kind of had an idea, 
And I, I, my first original title was going to be, if they can do it, I can do it. And so can you. And being a volunteer at that time too, I was blessed that um, because my wife and I showed up so many times and volunteered and were always of service. I was asked to be the trainer liaison for a very big event. We had a thousand plus students with a great lineup. And because I was a liaison, I had to talk to and got to meet all the different trainers. And the very first trainer, they wanted to keep a secret. No one knew who it was going to be. And I actually had to sneak them down through the back hallways to get them in place. And it was Mark Victor Hansen. And, you know, Chicken Soup for the Soul yeah. was just being blown out at that time and high demand. One of the most amazing, humblest men I've ever met. And I go up to his room. I, I had scoped out the back access from the hotel to the convention center and all that. I knock on his door and I said, Mr. Hansen, my name is Robert. I'm going to be your assistant today. Uh, and he's like, sure, show me where we need to go. And we got down to the back behind, in behind the stage and in the um, corridor. And he was supposed to be on at 9 a.m. And I had him ready and all that. And I'm at the door. I'm listening. Well, the person running the event was good at talking. And all of a sudden, 9.15 comes and goes. 9.30, 9. It, it was longer than before he was going up. And it was 40 minutes. He didn't go on until 9.40. And so at the beginning, I'm like, Mr. Hansen, here's a chair. Have a seat. As soon as he's ready, I'll let you know so you can come up as a surprise. And we're sitting there and we're talking. He goes, well, you got me. What do you want to know? How can I help you? And I had to, like, first of all, pick myself up off the floor, like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I said, give me a moment, Mark. And I look in the door and I'm like, keep going, keep going. Close the door. Well, Mr. Hansen. (laughs) And and I ended up with 40 minutes with him one-on-one. And my first question, I said, can I tell you the title of my book I'm thinking about? And he looked at me and he said, no. And I didn't, luckily I learned not to take it personal. Cause I, mm-hmm. And so I, want, I respect his time. And we're having a great conversation. And about 20 minutes in, he goes, you know, so what's the title of your book? And I looked at him and said, didn't you just tell me a little while ago I couldn't tell you the title? He said, Robert, because you asked the wrong question. He said, can I tell you or bounce off the title of my book off you? He said, that's the wrong question. He says, because that puts me into the mode of do I like it or not? Do you know, what's my opinion? He says, what you should have asked me is, here's my title. Would you pay $20 for that? And I like one handed clap. Got it. Yeah. And I gave him the title and he looked at me and goes, you know, I like it. Reminds me of when I was a young kid and my older brother was riding his bike. My parents wanted me to have training wheels on mine. And I'm like, no, if he can do it, I can do it. He said, but I don't think it's strong enough to be the main title. And again, I didn't take it personally. And so my book, as I thought of it, because I knew the title and the concept, but it took the 15 years to, for me to go through my experience of what's now in the book. Because I took all the years of now training and traveling and, and teaching hundreds of thousands of people around the world. And like you, Jeff, now getting to meet very successful people. What do they have in common? And being able to share the stage with some of the most amazing thought leaders in the world. What did they have in common? Talking to them in the green room. That also I condensed it down to six very, very powerful simple, simple steps. Remember, don't let the simplicity fool you of how to create the life you truly want. And that's what ended up going into the book was the six steps. And, um, you know, and it helps people start dreaming big, but not only dreaming, how do you now then put it into reality action steps? And I wrote it as a workbook because I know people are creatures of habit. I didn't write it for people to take it and put it on the shelf and make it shelf help. That doesn't do anybody any good. 
Oh, good. You got that joke. Too. I got, I I got that right. one too. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to so interrupt I, you while you were on a roll there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I actually wrote it with action steps in it and being the quirky person I am. And I'm, I'm guessing your audience can figure out. I like to have fun. I even say in the book at times, Hey, did you do the last action? If not stop reading right now, go back, do the action before you read any more. And I made it a lot of fun because it's me in, in book form. Great. So you've mentioned success lots of times. So mm-hmm. I need to ask you, Robert, to you, what is success and what advice can you give someone to begin the journey to making change happen in their lives? Mm-hmm. First of all, determine what success means to you. Because what success means to me could be totally different. Um, for me, I like my time off. So success to me is having the financial ability to have the time with my family as much as I want. And that's it. Um, I have uh, uh, one of my mentoring students to him. It's how much wealth can I accumulate in the moment? That's his, that's what success is to him. He likes having the yacht. He likes having the airplane. He likes having everything. And he's, and he's, but he's also, as he says, he's a God made millionaire and family's important to him. So he's done it with balance. But I don't need the deck of millions that he's got. That doesn't make me more successful if it means I'm working more than I want to. So I hope that makes sense. Oh, absolutely it does. Um, as I said in, in the introduction, you know, uh, success is not always attributed to money. But that, that's kind mm-hmm. of the default. You know, when I was 18, this journey began for me as in, now I say, what makes successful people successful? When I was a kid, my question was, how does a millionaire become a millionaire? Mm-hmm. And it's a completely different thing altogether. And, and that's something we have to learn. And, and I asked you, what does success mean to you? So thank you for that qualification. So I want people to think, what does success mean for them and it's different for everybody here's an interesting one why is it that some people have less knowledge and experience as others but still make more money how does that happen then <laughs> well as are you perceived as the authority or not and so you can sit there and, and remember let's go back to action the biggest difference i've seen between successful people and non-successful successful people take action they don't wait for everything to be perfect and a lot of there's a lot of knowledgeable people that are still learning, waiting, I'm prepping, but they haven't fired, they haven't got in the game. And so an authority is someone who says, I'm going to get in the game, and they realize you learn the best. Look, you, you're the KPI guy. Why? Because you invented KPIs? No, because you were great at KPIs in the beginning? Probably not. But you knew that this is something I know is important to businesses, and because you got into the game and you started then creating and adjusting it positions you where you are today being known as that and also now with your secrets of success podcast people are going to know why because you started and and you and i talking before you didn't sit there and, and prep 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 you were a guest on enough interviews to see what you liked and what you didn't like for how you wanted to do your own and then you said enough i'm now going i and i'm taking that action and i guarantee to your audience Almost every time that you do a podcast, you then do an adjustment to, for the next one. You make an adjustment. 
So that's what an authority is, is a person who's been in that position because they positioned themselves, whether they have the knowledge or not, because when you take action, you can be a PhD in whatever, but I've got a PhD now, Jeff, because you know I barely graduated grade 12, but I'm going to all these countries where the letters behind your name were so important. So I thought I better get my MBA, my PhD. So I decided to get my PhD, but it doesn't stand for what everybody else's is. My PhD is that I'm pretty high demand. I am in really high demand. And so that positioned me as an authority because people are now going, Robert, I need you to come advise us. I've also got an MBA. It's not that master's in business, business administration. I've got the massive bank account because I've taken the actions. And so are you a person that thinks it's all about your knowledge, but you're not applying it? Great. You can have more knowledge than me, but because I take action and I continually correct as I go, I'm going to get positioned as an authority, which means I'm going to make a heck of a lot more money than you are. Yeah. Knowledge without action is merely trivia. You do yeah, great. You do true. you do great in a quiz. Yeah, I know this. I know that. <laughs> you know, you you mentioned that I've done some podcasts as a guest, and I did about fifty. And I'm writing a book right now. It's called The Eleven Steps of Success. So when people get me on their podcast, it's Hey Jeff, can you tell me about the eleven steps of success? And I say Yeah, sure. There's no particular order. I probably won't have time to go through all eleven. But here's step one, and I'll explain step one. And then they'll say, guess what the next question is? Okay, Jeff, what's step two? And I'll explain step two. And we get to step three. What's step three? And like 45 minutes has gone by now. And they go, what's step four? And I said, okay, let me tell you the difference now between successful people and others who are not quite so living in their comfort zone. And it's exactly what you just said, Robert, but it's exactly what you said about your book, which is what I wanted to come back to it. So you got the humorous view, said, hey, have you done that thing from the last chapter? If not, go back. And here's what I've been saying on all of the other podcasts and people, honestly, they don't get it. And so I want to make the point again because it's so important. Is <laughs> Here's step one. Your next question should not be, what's step two? Your next question should be, how do I go about applying step yes. one? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> when you've done it, you go to step two. And then when I explain step two, what's the next question? How do I apply step two? So uh, yeah. a great meeting of minds there. So... I've actually formulated the formula for success and it, it's how much knowledge you have multiplied by how much of that knowledge you've implemented. Oh, I love that. And, and, <laughs> and that, that percentage calculates the KPI, strangely enough, of how, <laughs> likely you, how likely you're going to achieve your goals and dreams. We'll have a talk about that and uh, maybe do a podcast on that because I haven't done that. That's a fascinating one. Anyway, we digress, but I wanted to reinforce. <laughs> I really want, because it's so important, is that, it is. It is that 
people just amass more and more and more knowledge. Like yourself, you become a self-development junkie. And people come on my seminars, my masterclasses, and they spend days and days learning all this stuff. And then I meet with them and I said, how much of this have you applied? <laughs> and it's, yep, yeah. and that's exactly it. Yeah, absolutely. So learn, apply. And, and what, yeah. And they, what they don't realize is it doesn't even have to be tough because if your audience was really, really, really listening, you just delivered them a secret of success that they didn't even get. See, you went on 50 podcasts because you're writing a new book. And every podcast that you did is now recorded. And because you're speaking it, you're actually speaking your book into reality. And because you get a recording of every podcast you've been on, why do you think in my first five months of being a guest, I did 168 guest appearances? Because I'm writing my new book, The Authority Key, which is now already written because I've spoken it so many times that I can now have my editor just put everything together. (laughs) And when we're in our moment, People think it has to be tough. I have to think about what to say. How am I going to say it? Now i got to write it down. No, you don't. Get on with a great guy like Jeff. Have a conversation. Be present in the moment. Allow the brilliance flow. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you have brilliance. Let it flow from you. Quit thinking about it. Have fun with it. And then repurpose that information. That's what Jeff's doing. That's what I've been doing. And if you've been listening to what we just said... You've got books in you as well. You don't need to wait 15 years like I did for my (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I've got a a lifelong question to ask you now, Robert. For your whole life. Yes, sir. What is the most important thing you've ever learned? That this is who I am. Oh, now, this is going to go deep. I want to explore Mm. this one now. So... Yeah. Um, not only world-class procrastinator, world-class people pleaser. And all, you know, being the youngest of four, my way of getting attention was I thought if I could make you happy and please you, that'd get me my attention. And when I realized that this is me, either you're going to like me or you don't. And if you like me for being me, that's awesome. If you don't like me for being me, that's awesome. <laughs> and, and, Uh, You talk about the weight lifted off my shoulders, Jeff, because when I realized that how much time, money, energy I had been spending and expending on trying to be something else for people because I thought that was making them happy, when all of a sudden I realized that I can only be me, I'm blown away today by the people that are attracted to my energy and go, I want to get you to know you more, not I want you to be different if I'm going to like you. And with seven plus billion people on this planet, my mind tried to tell me I could please everybody. I don't care who you are, you never will. And so now I can have the relationships with people who truly love me for being me and not wanting me to be someone else. Wonderful. I love that. Uh, Previously, Robert, I've heard you talk about chaos. Yes, sir. You say, (laughs) not only is it normal, but critical in life. And how do you utilize it? (laughs) Well, and this is something that's part of my new book, and it's called The Four Phases of Life. And the uh, the phase is actually another name for chaos, as I call it the uncluttered phase. And the reason most people struggle is because when chaos comes in their life, they resist it. And as human beings, we are meant to evolve. 
And chaos comes in when we've become that stagnant person again. And it gives you that little message. And Jeff, I don't know if you've ever had it where often a little message comes in and you ignore it. It doesn't go away. It comes back a little more intense. If you ignore it again, it comes in a little more intense. You know what I'm talking about? I absolutely 100% do. Yeah. And so when, when you embrace chaos, and it takes courage, when you actually embrace chaos, it allows you to actually evolve to the next level when you understand it's natural. Now, the reason I call it unclutter is because when you enter into the chaos phase, you can actually, even before you enter it, you can actually courageously volunteer for chaos in your life. Meaning, this is where unclutter comes in, is what's, what are you stuck in in your life that really is time to clean it out? Um, it could be something as simple as going into your closet and saying, what have I not worn for the last six months? And either donating the clothes, selling the clothes, throwing the clothes away. But what do most people do? They keep their closets get so stuck they can't even put a hanger in because they've hung on to everything. They've become that hoarder, right? Yeah. And so I, you courageously go in and, and volunteer to unclutter something in your life. Maybe you go to the refrigerator, you open up and you're like, whoo, something in there smells a little, whoo. Go in and clean out your refrigerator. It doesn't have to be big things. Every couple of weeks I come to my office, I unclutter my paperwork. I organize it. I throw away or shred what is no longer needed. So I'm showing the universe that I'm cooperating with it. And so when you do that, it helps you evolve to the next level. Because so as an example, um, remember, I said I took a year off, which turned into three and a half years. I had said I was going to take a year off. And after a year, the universe started giving me a little, Robert, you said you were only taking a year off. And I ignored it. Robert, you know, you should start training again. And I ignored it. And two years in, I got a, a message I could not ignore when I was attacked by a dog, it lunged for my throat. Luckily, instead of getting my throat, got my chin and punctured my chin and ripped through my jaw here. Now, in that moment, I had a choice. I could have looked at the situation and went, why the did this chaos happen to me? Or I could say, okay, why did this happen? And when I answered the question in a different tonality, all of a sudden I realized a universal principle that I teach my students came up that says that which is not utilized is eliminated. And I went back to that dog attack. One inch further, the dog would have got my jugular. And me and my gift, which is speaking and and teaching people, would have been gone in an instant. And in that moment of realization, I went, I have to train again. I don't have to train for the money because I had been financially free for eight or nine years by that point. I had to train again because it's my gift. And, and I literally looked at the universe and God and I went, thank you. I got the lesson. I don't need another one. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> and I embraced that chaos instead of going into the victim role and, you know, this shouldn't have happened. And look, at now I've got a scar on my face and I got all this. And, and at one point, the scar was quite, um, you know, uh, you could see it quite well. And one of my students in Asia, one time, and I shared the story, he said, look, I'm a plastic surgeon. He said, I'd be honored to you know, get rid of that for you and, and at no cost. And I looked at him and said, thank you for the offer, but no thank you. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, anytime I start getting comfortable again, I just have to touch this. And it reminds me to keep living my gift. So this is why I will speak and train till I can't anymore. I, I will keep living my gift till I can't anymore. Because that's why one of the reasons I believe I'm on this planet right now. Absolutely. A few things I want to say there. One is your attitude, it didn't happen to you, it happened for you. That was one of the things that was a catalyst. And I think framing things in that manner is wonderful. 
The other one is to give thanks to the universe or whomever. I like to mm -hmm. use the word universe too. But to show gratitude and thanks is a massive, massive, huge part of success. And I've often, I, I ask the universe for help, often before I go to sleep, and I can wake up at 2 a.m. and I have the answer. Where does it come from? I have <laughs> no idea. I just say the and universe. The, and you don't need to know. That's no, the best part. <laughs> I, I, I just say the universe. But here's the thing. Wrapping together all the things that we said so far, what you need to do then is to take action with that gift. Give, yes. Give gratitude, thanks, action, do something with it. Because if you don't, the universe will say, I keep giving you stuff and you don't do anything with it, so I'm going to stop giving you stuff. And instead of giving it to you, I'm going to pass it to someone else. That's right. Now, for That's everybody exactly listening, it. have you ever known anyone that's had a great idea, but someone else did it instead of them? That's <laughs> what happened. So the universe came along, whispered in your ear, here's this great idea. And Robert, this is what happened with me with the KPI book. I had this idea. Now, I failed at maths, I failed at English, and I've written the best, I'm on record for the, the most successful author in history on a book about mathematics. How mm -hmm. on earth did this happen? Is because the universe whispered in my ear that uh, we need to write this book. Everybody was saying, no, you're not the right person. You know, but I did it anyway. And look what happened. So yeah. I want to ask you another quickie question. When you want to achieve something, what do you do to get inspired? Mm. Wow. I look at the end result and I look at then who I can empower with it. And then I ask myself, who can help me achieve that? Because um, another trap that a lot of people, I've, including me, especially me, have fallen into is thinking I have to do it all on my own. Stop that. Stop it. Quit trying to do it all, all on your own. Yeah. So um, look bigger than you and then ask who can help me achieve that. Great. Now, your book. I'm sure someone listening will want to buy it. Certainly a new one. So if someone wants to reach out for you for your book or some help, some mentorship and all the other stuff that you do, how do we go about contacting you? Yeah. Uh, keep it easy. Just my name, robertrealpel.com. Nice and simple. And actually, I'm in the give back phase. Remember, we were talking about how our time is one of our most precious commodities. Sure. And so because your listeners have taken their valuable time to listen to this episode, if they go to robertrealpel.com, they're going to be able to actually download the entire digital copy of Success Left a Clue as our gift to them. But remember, they have to do the work. And also, when they do that, because I know people get stuck, and I've been stuck, Jeff, just like you have, is when people download the book, they're also going to, for the next little while, they're going to have the opportunity to book in a 20-minute personalized success roadmap call with me, not someone else, with me, as a gift to them as well. I don't do any selling to them on this call. I'm there to do work, to help them figure out what their roadblocks are and how to get around them. They do have to fill out a questionnaire prior to and an assessment. And one of my things I will tell people right off the bat, 
if it comes up time for a call that you booked in and you have either given me one word answers or you haven't filled out the questionnaire, I will cancel the call because I don't, I'm not going to take my valuable time and your valuable time if you're not willing to do a little investment of time into it. You know what? I'm going to book myself on that call. And I'm going to fill in the questionnaire because I know absolutely you absolutely need that to give value to whoever comes. Well, that's it for today. We've run out of time, unfortunately. Thank you so much, Robert Riopel. My man, you've been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Success. I hope the show has helped to ignite your passion, to be a catalyst for action and giving you the fuel you need to realize your dreams. If you've enjoyed the show, please hit the like button, leave a review and share. Share it with a friend. It makes a huge difference to us because without your help, we can't succeed. So please go ahead Hit the like button, review, follow, and share this show with just one friend. On another note, I'm always searching for great success stories. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or you'd like to nominate a guest, please contact me through our website at jeff-smith.com. I'd really love to hear from you, and I'd really love to welcome you onto the show. That's all from me today. Thank you for listening. Thank you again to Robert Riopel and have a great day.